ground service. You know, you know, she had been asked to, uh, you know, shelter in place and not, you know, have crowds, that he was going to go ahead and have his service. And so somebody put it on Facebook to ask other people how they felt about it. It's amazing how people get off on a subject, whatever their issue is, with preachers or with church, they'll reveal it. So a lot of people said, no, they didn't think it was a good idea because then people had to go home to their families or they went to their jobs and they were exposing other people and if somebody was sick, well, that wasn't too bad. I was thinking of what the scripture said. And the scripture in Romans chapter 8, I believe it is, where it's not 8, chapter 12, maybe, where it says, I'll tell for sure, because I don't like to do this without making sure you all can find it, where it says that we should, God expects us to obey the laws of the land. So the law right now is that we should to try to do that as much as possible for our, our safety, the safety of our people, our, our conversation. I'm talking about me as a pastor. Where we, should, we should set the, the pace for obedience. <clears throat> and the scripture says obedience is better than sacrifice. So any sacrifice you make is just being disobedient to God. He doesn't honor that. And so anyway, I read all these comments and then here's somebody out of the blue said, yeah, and they're asking for money. <laughs> I thought, now that's her issue. She don't want that preacher to have no money, don't ask for no money. And so everybody talked about whether or not you should be really having your actual services or doing it virtually. And she comes up with money. So that was her issue. And I had to laugh because I said, Lord, you know, uh, the president of the Bible college that I went to at Rama Bible Training College, he said he's gone to be with the Lord. Now, Dr. Hagen said that people will reveal them when they open their mouth, they'll locate themselves. Hmm. And I have found that to be true over and over again. So I had to laugh this morning when I saw that, although I was very offended because, you know, it was like, Let's crucify this pastor that is violating the law. Well, we all violate the law sometimes. He hasn't run a stop sign. Now, this is serious. I'm using an analogy, uh, analogy of, of something simple. But it is serious to do what will expose people to illness. That's serious. But who has not violated the law? Is anybody, I'm like Jesus this morning, Anybody on this line who can say that they have not at some time or another since they've been saved violated some law, then you uh, cast the first stone at me. I want you to, I can't see your hands, but I want you to just tell me, well, Pastor, I haven't violated the law since I've been saved. <laughs> I don't hear nobody talking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm including. You know, I
So anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because, you know, we, we should be careful about what we say about others because, you know, she, but, but we will locate ourselves with our conversation. And so if we are saved, we will locate ourselves. If we are not saved, if we are baby Christians, we'll locate ourselves. If we are mature Christians, we'll locate ourselves by our conversation. And so that's why we teach so much on making sure that your your conversation is with faith, that you're speaking faith and not doubt none, boy. And so I'm saying that before I even... Uh, look at the scripture this morning uh, because I want us to understand that uh, we always uh, will tell on ourselves by how what we say. And uh, so with that said, I just for just a minute want to look at Hebrews chapter 11 before we pray this morning. I, I just want to do that because I think that our faith at this time, it's so important that we have faith. And it's so easy to not have faith because when you turn on the news, you're hearing all of this stuff about the coronavirus. And, you know, depending on the day it is, depending on what time it is, it's, it's you know, worse and worse and worse. So we have to have faith that God is still on the throne. And that he is hearing our prayers, and that he is answering our prayers. And so we have these examples of people, uh, people like us in biblical times who, who showed their walk of faith uh, in action. Faith is an action word. We use it as an action word because. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And we need to know that, that we don't always see that in the natural. What we're saying is because we believe what the word says and we know God is real. So we know that uh, we don't always have to see it to believe it. So when you look at chapter 7 of everybody all right? Okay. Sound like somebody's outside by the train. Oh, okay. No, he's by the train tracks. All right.
says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commanded for, were commended for, I'm sorry. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. And that's what is and that's what is seen. Uh, and that's what what is seen was not seen, was not made out of what was visible. Let me say that again. So that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, was commended as a righteous man. When God spoke well of his offering, and he, and by faith, he received as though he is dead. And you know, if you read about that whole issue between Cain and Abel, you'll find out that God said that his blood, even after he was dead, his blood, the blood cries out. Uh, that's what it says in the King James. You can reference that if you want to. So what it meant was is that, you know, Abel uh, was not happy with his brother because his brother, uh, uh, I mean, Cain was not happy with Abel because his brother offered a better sacrifice. And, uh, of course, his sacrifice uh, was that of what God required at that time. You see, there was no blood shed in uh, in. The first blood that was shed was shed in the garden. Because when Adam and Eve found out that they were human and they were naked, you see, they took a long time, they were so in communion with God that they didn't even realize that they didn't have any clothes on. And so well, once he uh, uh, offered uh, her, they some fruit, and they both ate that fruit, their eyes were open to the world things of the world to sin. That's where sin started. So here we see this uh, brother going to make his sacrifice and he made the blood sacrifice. God, in order to redeem them, Adam and Eve, the first animals, the first bloodshed occurred in the Garden of Eden because they, they need to have a blood sacrifice. And so when we go through and look at what God required for us to be saved. It was a blood sacrifice. It was his only begotten son. And he and he used Jesus Christ as the sacrifice because he had to have a perfect lamb. If you go back in the Old Testament with Moses and that whole exodus from Egypt, you see there was bloodshed. That lamb that they were instructed to cook. They cooked it, and they postured that lamb in the same way that Jesus would hang on the cross. Read it for yourself. They postured that lamb, cooked it, ate of it on their feet, they, because they were getting ready to be removed from Egypt. And so when they sacrificed that lamb, they were on their feet, standing on their feet. They ate that food. And God said, you can't have no leftovers. And then I want you to put the blood from that lamb on the doorpost of your house where you live. Because if you 
don't, that death angel is going to come through there and you won't make it. So you see, blood sacrifice is a part of our redemption. It's a part of our salvation. And so when Jesus went to Calvary, he was the perfect sacrifice. A lot of bulls and goats were killed uh, during uh, our, our time with the Old Testament saints. And uh, they couldn't they couldn't make it with that. Every time they killed the animal and they got redeemed, they sinned again. If you look at the life of the Israelites, they were forever getting themselves in trouble. Well, what else is new? We do the same thing, and that's why we have repentance. If we didn't have repentance, we'd be just like the nation of Israel. We'd be killing goats and bulls and trying to get redemption another way. But thanks be to God, we have provided in our salvation package uh, repentance. And that's why it's so important that we understand about repentance. Because when we have sinned, we have fallen short. And in Romans uh, 3, I believe it is, that it says all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We know that we're in a sinful world, Satan saw that that when Adam and Eve fell. So we have to know that repentance is very important to our salvation package. And we are so blessed to have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came in on the scene when Jesus ascended uh, to heaven. The Holy Spirit came on the scene in Acts chapter 2. We know that. And he came because he is our comforter. He is our helper. He's the one that comes alongside to help us. And so you really are connected to God through the Holy Spirit. The Trinity is on the inside of you, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit will let us know when we mess up. And sometimes we ignore that. But that thing will stick on you and stick on you. And if you ignore it, you just will not feel real good if you really love the Lord, if you're really sincere about doing the right thing, you're going to have to somewhere along the line say, Lord, forgive me. I did wrong. I said something wrong. I even thought something wrong. And so we have to understand that this faith that we have uh, comes from God. Uh, faith isn't seen, but we know it's there. And so we just need to know that when we read these scriptures about uh, the Old Testament saints and all of those Old Testament saints that are in this uh, chapter 11 of Hebrews, that that ought to inspire our faith. That ought to cause us to be excited about what God has done for us. And these folks in the Old Testament, they had experiences with the Holy Spirit, but they didn't have the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. So when you invite Jesus Christ into your life, you get the whole package. You ask God, uh, you ask Jesus to come into your life, and you get the whole package. You get the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, there with the Holy Spirit, a lot of people think because they don't uh, speak in other languages or unknown tongues is really what it is, that they don't have the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is indwelt the Holy Spirit is there, and he will make himself known to you. 
if you will allow him to. And even if you don't allow him to, he will be that nagging on the inside of you because you did something you had no business that was violating what you know is right under God. And he'll just keep on dinging at you until you understand you need to ask forgiveness. And that's what repentance is. It's forgiveness. We, are, we receive the forgiveness of God through repentance. And people think, well, I can just ask forgiveness and do it again. Now, you might do it again, but you need to practice trying not to do it again. It's not like you got a machine there that says, okay, I forgive you, okay, I forgive you. God will say that to you. When you ask forgiveness, you get it. But we need to practice living the way God would have us to live. And this word that we study and we preach is tells us how God wants us to live. And so we have that clause in our contract of salvation that when we do something wrong, we run that red light. Oh God, please forgive me. I really didn't mean to do it. But you must be sincere in your heart that you really didn't mean to do it. Otherwise, you just need say, Lord, forgive me, I ran that light, and I knew better. You see what I'm saying? Because God knows your heart. He looks at the heart. He doesn't look at the outward appearance. We can put on all the clothes we want. You know, I have a thing about white dresses, and please forgive me if I'm stepping on your toes. But when I was in the Baptist denomination, uh, there is a tradition that the women, and even now the men, wear white on the first Sunday. And, uh, uh, of course, uh, we're talking about that on the day when we take in communion if we're all together. And if you want to take communion, I'm taking a side trip now as the president of the Bible College that I went to used to say I'm taking a side trip. If you want to take communion and you have a little grape juice and a little cracker, you can do that. All you need to do is read, you can go read First Corinthians uh, chapter 11, uh, 11 today. And then you read that, script, that, uh, that, that chapter and then take your elements of communion. You don't have, you don't all have to be together if you want to do that today. And uh, let me tell you about that, that's another side trip. Sometimes when I feel like I need a boost in my relationship with God, I take communion at home, and I take it for a number of days. Now, there is one denomination that takes communion every day at the church. They go to the church and have communion. But you have to be careful with that. Because pretty soon it can become a ritual. You never want that to become a ritual. You always want that to be special, a special remembrance. It's a memorial service to someone who is not dead. His name is Jesus. He's sitting at the right hand of the throne of grace. But we need to realize when we take communion, it's a serious thing. So if you take it every day, you've got to remind yourself every day that this is what my Lord did for me to be able to be saved, to be able to do whatever I do for the Lord, whether I'm a, a minister, a deacon, or, or a member of the body of Christ. This is what my Lord did for me. It has to be serious because when it becomes a ritual, 
it's like an idol, and we don't we don't worship idol. So I want to say that. But I'm going back to the fact that we need to understand about repentance. We need to understand that when we do wrong, we need to ask God's forgiveness. And we get it as many times as we need it because God knows that we're flesh and blood. And he has his son Jesus sitting there at the, uh, beside him at the throne of grace, at the right hand of the throne of grace. And he can tell him what it's like to be in a human body because he's still only one in heaven. In that body, he holds in his hands and holds in his feet. And with his side here, he's the only one up there. You know, when we leave this body, when we uh, transition, we leave this body. Our spirit leaves this body. We are spirit, uh, soul, spirit, uh, and and flesh and blood, and uh, we have a spirit, we have a mind, and we have will and emotions. And so what we do when we transition is we leave this house. Your body is your house. You wouldn't operate well on this earth without your body. That's what Satan does. He, he legs people's bodies and operates through us. But you see, you can't do much without a body on earth. But when you leave this world to go be with the Lord, it is your spirit that will go. It will leave your physical body. And you will live forever. Your spirit will never die. You will live forever. And that's why it's so important that we know where we're going to spend eternity. Because we're going to spend eternity in one of two places. Either in hell and I still believe in hell. I don't preach uh, hell like they used to when I was a kid. Uh, they had us terrified because that preacher mm. would be talking about hell and fire. You were terrified. And I believe that a lot of kids, a lot of young people got saved because they were afraid. That's not the reason God wants you saved. At least they were saved, but you see, they were saved out of fear. God wants you to know that he is a God of love. And he, he did what he did for us through Jesus Christ because he loved them. And so I want to always help you understand that he is a good, a God of love. He is not sitting on the throne waiting to hit you in the head with a baseball bat or let a car run over you. I hear people say, yeah, God did that to me to teach me a lesson. God is not into teaching us a lesson by causing us to have accidents, by causing us uh, to break our limbs, any of that. That is not God. That's the enemy. The enemy, and I want you to know this is in John chapter 10, verse 10, the gospel of John, because you know we have more than one John in the New Testament. The gospel of John, chapter 10, Verse 10 says that the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. But first it says, Jesus came that we might have life. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So even right now, God is being blamed for this coronavirus. God is not into making people sick. This is being allowed because it's a fulfillment of things to come in our in our word in our manual that tells us the, the end of the story 
but God is not a God of sickness and disease, y'all. That's strictly up to Satan. And so he's allowing this because it's a part of the fulfillment of the future of this world. But this is not God making folks sick and, and causing them to die. So I need to help you understand that because I hear people say that and I just cringe when they say that. And Reverend T and I, who met the other day regarding the book that he's uh, editing as I um, go over it and writing this book. And we talked about that, how often people in error say things on Facebook and you know it's an error, but you, you have to use wisdom because you can have an argument with them. Or you can just know that they are not correct in what they're saying and ask God to show them the truth. You know, and that's the one of the things that the scripture says about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. And so we know that we can ask the Holy Spirit to show us the truth and he will show us the truth. So that's what I ask, even for those folks this morning that was having that conversation about preachers, I ask God to show them the truth, the ones that seem to be uh, worried about money and other stuff, you know. I just never ceases to amaze me about that whole thing, and preachers and money, preachers and money. I, I have a problem with that, even if I was when I wasn't a preacher, because, you know, preachers, and you young know, ministers, you have to live like everybody else. And you have a secular job or whatever you have, but God takes care of us. And he makes a way for us to be able to have time to do the work of the Lord. So I need to say that to you because that's one of people's favorite things is to talk about the money, the preacher and the money, and the preacher and the car can't have a nice car because you're a preacher. That's ridiculous. God says he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And I'm getting off the subject, so I'm trying to go back. But uh, anyway, in this 11th chapter of Hebrews, we talk about it. <coughs> so by faith, Enoch was taken from this life. So he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. Now, your translation may say it differently, but Enoch never died. Enoch transitioned, translated, one, uh, one version of the scripture says. And so I asked God about that one time. I said, God, help me understand about how Enoch lived and how he translated without death. And of course, God is always uh, going to help you with what you need to understand. So I'm asking you this question. Have you ever been riding along and got so intent on whatever you were thinking or whatever you were listening to that when you looked up, you had discovered that you had arrived at your destination and you couldn't remember exactly when you got there. Hmm. You haven't, I have. And it's like, hmm, I'm already here. You know, it didn't seem like it took me that long. I don't remember uh, driving that fast or whatever you say to yourself. But I use that as an analogy to help me understand translation. Because Enoch just stepped 
God did not go through with them first. And we know of one other Old Testament uh, uh, figure who didn't, and his name was Elijah. Elijah was God's man, and he was caught up in a chariot of fire. Elijah had uh, a school of the prophets in his day, and he had a mentor, a mentor, I'm sorry, he had a mentor by the name of Elisha. And Elisha and all the prophets, prophets knew the day that Elijah was going to be caught up in the chariot of fire to heaven. And so all they So he kept up with it, followed him so much that Elijah, that's my friend. And when it's time, Elijah caught up, Elijah, and he was caught up in the fire, and the mantle fell.
the test was negative for the coronavirus. And he said, well, she can't have that because she's a woman of God, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, Brother Lloyd. That's right, Brother Lloyd. <laughs>
I just uh, want uh, Brother Lloyd to give me a call because I misplaced his number. <laughs> so I know it's in my phone. I just didn't put your name under there. Just uh, give me a call. And Pastor, I do want to say this because I, I, uh, I, I've I been a little bit disobedient because I didn't see what was happening. And I tried to pray about it a little bit yesterday. But uh, God has been talking to me to talk to certain homeless people. And I've been missing that calling. Yesterday when I was at the park, when I was about to leave, it was raining. And I've seen several homeless people, but I connected with one. And, and, and it was God told me to go talk to him but instead i looked in my wallet and realized i had no money and i say well i can't help him so i didn't go over there but god didn't want me to help him with money he wanted me to go over there and help him and talk to him and, and i realized that as i was driving off and when i drove back and i did realize it but i realized it a little bit too late and this is the second time that happened and i just want to say if this happens to anybody else you know um uh, don't, don't hesitate to do what God's telling you to do because you don't know for sure. If, if it comes to you like that, that means God telling you to do it. God told me, talk to that man yesterday and I didn't be, and I wasn't obedient and I kind of knew that that's what God was telling me. And, and, uh, just to say this, you know, sometimes we ask for all the blessings and, and God be saying, we are the blessings. See, I think some word to that that homeless man yesterday would have been a blessing, even though I didn't have no money. So I just wanted to put that out there because I felt disobedient as I was driving home yesterday. And I felt it in my soul. I was like, you was disobedient. You knew God told you to talk to him. But I just wanted to share that because, you know, God be telling us to do things and we need to listen and we need to do it. And I kept on going, and the Holy Spirit said, you 
go back, and I did go back, and sometimes they weren't there, so please know that uh, that can happen to you, but you only need to let it happen once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> learn the lesson, and uh, my mentor, who was a very young woman who actually has been a babysitter for, uh, for me, for Chris, uh, she was my spiritual mentor. I am changed for many, many years uh, in the Baptist denomination, but I didn't know a lot about spiritual things. So when God called me out and began to do uh, spiritual things, spiritual things, I was not as as swift as uh-huh. I am now. And uh, so he put this young woman. Uh, in my past, where I'd have dreams or something like that, uh, you know, first I didn't know what to do, and then God would have her just call me up. But anyway, she had a saying that she never, uh, that God will keep on, keep you in the remedial class until you learn the lesson. And I never forgot that, because God will give you another chance to do whatever he's showing you he wants you to do. And the food that you were going to give that man was going to be even more valuable than if you had given him some money. See, because you were going to offer him an opportunity if he didn't know Jesus to know him and if he did to know that God had not forgotten him and he was going to take care of him. Whatever the words were that you were going to give him. And so we do have to be careful and make sure that we know when God is speaking to us. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we get so preoccupied with earthly things that we don't hear the spiritual things. But the Holy Spirit will always let you know when you were disobedient. He will always let you know to repent and let God use you. Uh, and he will allow God to God will use you at some other time. Anybody else? Yes. Uh, yes. I just want to say, uh, Mr. Roberson, my number is the 690 number on the group chat because I changed the phone number. And I don't have your number readily available on this phone. Okay. I, okay, great. Great, because I was looking for your number after I saw you on Higher Power. So, yeah. Yeah, I see you on there, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else? Okay. Well, yeah, I, I want to say that, um, like Minister Rose, you know, sometimes, you know, like the Holy Spirit will tell me to go to walk over to somebody and just want to speak to that person. And um, a lot of times I do, but there have been times that I, for some reason, you know, I didn't do it. Then, um, then I turn around and go and go to go, go to talk to that person. By the time I do that, they have already gone. And that's when, you know, yeah, when that happens, you know, I feel kind of bad. Then I ask God for forgiveness. I repent. Ask God to forgive me for being disobedient. Yeah. yeah. We've all done it. If you haven't, you will, unfortunately. Because <laughs> <laughs> God has a sense of humor, you know. He knows us really well. And, you know, uh, I used to have God show me folks and say, go pray for that person. And I never shall forget I was uh, at Jubilee at the time. I had just come back from Tulsa, and there was this woman. And God called my attention to this woman in the Friday night Bible study. 
was from Africa, and she was sitting in front of me with some other people, and they were talking, and what have you, of course, serving. And so uh, I saw her then. Well, then, on Easter Sunday morning, Resurrection Sunday, uh, I went to the early service, and they had a musical. And during this time that the musical, uh, we were in service with the musical, God showed me that woman again. And this time, the way the Holy Spirit does with me, he'll first have me notice that person. And then I'll find myself staring at that person. And I now know to say, Lord, what is it you want me to do with that person? So I stared at her all through that musical, through that service. And when the service was almost over, God said, I wanted you to go to her and pray for her. And I said, Lord, I don't know that woman, but I'll do what you tell me to do. So I had this young man with me who was kind of an empty, he was very scattered. But anyway, I told him, I said, now look, I got to go and get to the woman before she gets away from me. So you just wait for me. Just bad Here's why she's pregnant, and I said, I think she goes 